So let's turn to God's word today and say, how, how do we live in terrible times? You know, I was reading last week about uh, a group of people that sold 15,000 homes in Bombay. Okay, it was a huge number of homes to poor people, you know, not, not really, with proper documents and everything. And they find out that these homes were all constructed, but everything is illegal. Can you imagine? Imagine you've put your life savings, you've borrowed money to buy this home, you're living in the home, you've got the papers, the bank has given you a loan, but everything is illegal. So, so we find that, that uh, you know, things are evil. I mean, I was just thinking about India today. You know? We are sending a rocket to the moon. We have the technology to do that. But we have moon craters on the road. You know, so what is the issue? Is there a lack of technology or is there a lack of integrity? Okay. The rocket can go to the moon and see the craters there. Well, why do they have to go there? We have craters here. <laughs> you know? So when we look at all this, we say, Lord, uh, how do we live in times like this? You know, in the West, there are other battles that are being faced. Okay. You know, there, there was this guy who decided... I'm going to become a woman. That's what he did. Okay, and he was a swimmer. And he didn't win anything great when he was swimming as a man. But as a woman, in that championship, he came out first. Okay, great. And to, make, to add fuel to the fire, a magazine named him Woman of the Year. So, so in the West, they have all this gender identity, all these battles which are different from what we are facing in India. All right? So there's all these things that are happening. So how do we as followers of Jesus, you know, what Alistair wonderfully testified this morning about uh, or shared about how we have been saved by God. Wow, salvation has come to us. We are a chosen people. We are a royal priesthood. We are... We are we're not, we're not, we're aliens on this earth. How do we live during our time here on earth? So turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. And, uh, and thankfully, God's word tells us how we are called to live. And 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 1. But mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with them. All right? And uh, so, so Paul is writing to Timothy. And in fact, in, uh, in verse 12 and 13, he says, In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil men and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. So what is happening today in the world is not something new, and we should be surprised at it. 2,000 years ago, God wrote, and through Paul, and said, listen, this is what's going to happen. Evil is going to increase, but how do we live in the midst of evil around us? 
And, and the next few verses instruct us on how we should live. So Sarov, how should you live? This is how it is. Okay, we're going to look at the next few verses. And we're going to read from verse 12. I'm oh, sorry, verse 14. But as for you, continue in what you have learned. This is uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it. And how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, and correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And chapter 4 continues. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that in the midst of evil in this world, you have called us to be your chosen possession, Lord. Lord, we are so privileged. Lord, when, when, when your disciples cast out demons, you said, don't rejoice because of that. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And Lord, we rejoice with that this morning. Lord, I pray for your grace, your anointing upon me as I proclaim the truth of your word. Lord, your word is all powerful, Lord. Enable us to understand and live it. I ask for your grace and anointing upon us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. So we're going to look at six, seven, eight things this morning very quickly. Number one, who is writing this letter and to whom is it being written? Any answers? Paul is writing it to Timothy. Well done. Okay, great. And uh, so we know that. Now, when is he writing it? He's writing it when he's close to death. How do we know that? Okay, look at chapter 4, verse 6. It says there, For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure has come. Paul is not sending a WhatsApp message from the airport. Okay, he's in prison. He's in prison. He knows that he's going to die. And he's writing this letter to Timothy. Now, you know, when a person is dying, they don't waste time talking about non-essential things. They want to communicate the most important things at that time. So these things are of great significance. Final instructions are very, very important. Now, so we know Paul was writing to Timothy. Right? Now, who was Paul to Timothy? Paul was a spiritual father to Timothy. That's who he was. Timothy was a spiritual son. And uh, Paul refers to Timothy as his son. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 2, he says, My true son. And in, one, and in 2 Timothy 1, verse 2, he says, My dear son. All right? So 
Paul was not Timothy's biological father. He was a spiritual son. Now, in the church, you have five kinds of people. Five, you can classify them into five kinds. And, uh, yeah, so we've got unbelievers, people who've not yet put their faith in Christ. You know, I'm referring to Alistair this morning. He says, I was a Christian. In the sense, he was in a Christian background. He grew up, but then, and, and really, it doesn't matter what background you grow up, Christian, non-Christian, if you've, the moment you put your faith in Christ, you move, you cross the line of faith, and from an unbeliever, you become a believer. All right? And uh, so you have unbelievers, or people who are not yet believers. Then you, the moment you put your faith in Christ, you become a spiritual infant. Yeah? Babies. And then as you grow in the faith, you become children. And then as you grow some more and take responsibility for yourself, you become young adults. And then there's a stage. You know, there are many young adults here. I was a young adult once. Many of us were, were young adults once. But there's a stage. Austin and Joe is a good example. They're young adults, but the moment Thea was born, they became something else. What? Parents, fathers and mothers. And so in the church, there are adults who the moment they give birth to spiritual children they become spiritual fathers and mothers. Okay, and this is the progression in the Christian life. We all start off as unbelievers. And the goal is to become spiritual parents. It's not automatic, it's intentional. Now, the question I want to ask you is this. Are you a spiritual father or mother to anybody? Are you a spiritual father or mother to anybody? Okay. And there are two ways you can become a parent in the natural. One way is you give birth and you have a child. The other way is you adopt somebody, right? You adopt somebody and you take responsibility for their care. Now, uh, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15, Paul, writing to the Corinthians, says, I became your father through the gospel. Okay, so the Corinthians... Paul shared the gospel with them. They came to faith. He was your spiritual father. Timothy was already a believer, but Paul took him under his wing and invested in him, became a spiritual father. So there are two ways to become a spiritual parent. Now, the kingdom advances. We want to see the kingdom advance in our nation and in the nations of the world. The kingdom advances as more and more Christians become spiritual parents. That's how it advances, okay? Now, unlike natural birth, which takes nine months at least, okay? And usually you get one baby at a time. <laughs> and, and in order to start having a baby, you've got to be older. But with spiritual children, you don't need nine months. It can happen in one month. You can have more than one babies at a time, baby at a time, okay? And you don't have to be, grow to be 15 or 20 years old to give birth, you can give birth when you're one month old or two months old. Amen? Spiritual birth. Okay. So, the question to ask each one of us is this. You know, Paul had a spiritual son. Who, because of you, is following Christ or is going as a, growing as a Christian? Think about that. You know, when I was 17 years old, that was just a few years ago, but... Uh, <laughs> I was in college, and uh, I, I, I was a new Christian. And uh, I was, you know, 
new Christians can be very worldly, which I was. And uh, there was a young, as a guy who was a few years older than me, and he took me under his wing, and he discipled me. And he said, hey, Colin, let's meet for tennis. And I would love, I said, great, I'm getting, let's play tennis. So we'd go have tennis, we'd have breakfast together, and then we'd go to his home, and we'd take turns, his home, my home, and, and we would have uh, a time of studying the word and praying together. And we met every two weeks or so. But over time, this is what built me up in the Christian faith. All right? And, and I'm here today because somebody invested in me when I was a new Christian. Now, you have the opportunity to invest in somebody. Yeah? And, and this is it. John writes, I have no greater joy than this to see my children walking in the faith. Okay? So the question, number one question is, are you thinking about investing in somebody? Get some spiritual children. Look at that. Number two, know your teachers. Be a teacher who is known. In, uh, in, 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 one, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14. Okay, remember, Paul is writing to Timothy. He's saying, how should we live? He says, but as for you, there's evil going all around, you know, and we can be concerned with all that's happening. He says, as for you, continue in what you have learned and become convinced of because you know those from whom you have learned it. It's very important who we get our teaching from. It's very important, okay? Because today with the internet, you can just turn on your phone and have all kinds of people teaching all kinds of things, okay? And here Paul is saying, as for you, continue in what you have learned and become convinced of because you know those from whom you have learned it. Timothy had a godly heritage. His grandmother, Lois, Lois, how do you pronounce that? Anybody knows that? Louis, Louis, anyway. His grandmother was a believer. His mother, Eunice, had a sincere faith in Jehovah. They, they, they were believers in God. Okay? And uh, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, 2 Timothy 1, verse 5, Paul says, I have been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother, Louis, and in your mother, Eunice, and now lives in you also. All right? So, Godly heritage. But then in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 10, Paul says to Timothy, You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, my faith, my patience, my love, my endurance, my persecutions and sufferings. Okay? So two things we can learn from here. Number one, as we are investing in people, yeah, um, as we are investing in people, this is what we need to know. We need, and as we are learning from people, we need to know them, we need to know their lives. We need to, okay, we need to know them and we need to know their lives. It's not just dishing out Bible studies, but we are sharing our lives as well. In, second, in First Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 8, First Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 8, Paul says, we loved you so much. He was telling the Thessalonians. See, he was not doing a Bible study with them. He's saying, hey, we loved you. He, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel. Yes, we will study the Bible, but our, the gospel of God, but our lives as well because you had become so dear to us. So the way to progress as spiritual parents is this, that we are demonstrating love 
care and concern to those we'd like to see built up, okay? And we're sharing our lives with them. And sharing our lives means we're sharing our joys, our sorrows, our victories, our weaknesses. Let's move on. Number three. Okay, so, so when, you, when you're meeting up with people, yeah, when we're having this prayer breakfast uh, next Saturday for the men, sorry ladies, but we're going to have a great time. <laughs> All right? And, uh, you know, what, what you, we're going to be sharing our, we're going to share the word, the gospel of God. We're going to share our lives as well so that godly friendships will happen. Okay, let's go on to the next verse. Verse 15. And how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So he's reminding him, hey, you know those whom you have learned the, the gospel from. And then he's talking about the word of God. He says, how the holy scriptures are able to make you wise for salvation. Okay? This Bible that I'm holding in my hands and that you have on your phone or whatever is powerful. It is the most potent book in the world because it is living and active. It has the power to change people. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 9, 1 Corinthians 1 verse 9, it says, God was pleased to the foolishness of what was saved, of what was preached to save those who believe. As we proclaim this word, we can change the eternal destiny of people from hell to heaven. In uh, 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 23, Peter says, For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and the enduring word of God. You know, we look at evil people in the world. We say, Lord, will they ever change? Is there any hope for them? The only hope is the gospel of Jesus Christ. There was a man who was a slave trader. He was a captain on a slave ship, on a ship, and they would go to Africa and go and take people from there and sell them in, in the Americas. All right? Now, think about it. Would you sign up for a job like that? No. It's wicked. It's evil. And this is what he did. And one day, through his journeys, there was a terrible storm that came there. And when danger comes, you know, that's when people think about God. You know, the rest of the time, they don't think, when there's in trouble. And so he prayed, Lord, somehow, God, save me, and something he cried out to. And, and he met with God at that time. And then he gave up his slave training and he started reading the scripture, the Bible. And you know what happened? He got saved because the Bible has the power to save people. This man, anybody know what his name is? John Newton. And he wrote the song, which song? Amazing Grace. Wow! From a slave trader to the songwriter of one of the most, you know, deep and powerful songs of the Christian faith. The Bible has power to transform the worst sinner. You can't do it. I can't do it. All we've got to do is give them the word and let the Holy Spirit work on them to do it. All right? So, number three, this... It says, how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. 
Okay. And then he goes on to say, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. You know, this, this book that we have here is no ordinary book. It's God-breathed. Okay, it's come, it's come about because God has put together these words and these verses in Scripture. There's the power of God behind these words. And, uh, and here it says that, you know, it talks about all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. We'll quickly go through those things. Teaching and rebuking deals with the content, with the content. What do we need to believe? You know, what do we need to uh, understand about God, about this world, about evil, about sin, about heaven, and about hell? All these things. Everybody has a different opinion, but we know that God has revealed it to us in His Word. So what do we need to believe? Okay. Rebuking. Is what do, where do we need to, where are we going wrong in our thinking and in our behavior? So teaching and rebuking deal with content and uh, correcting and training deal with conduct, content and conduct. You know, b before I was a believer, when I was 16, 17, whatever, one of the things I do every morning is get the newspaper. And I don't know, uh, sometimes there, was, there used to be some jokes in there, I may have read them or some things, but I also look at the horoscope. What the stars foretell. Anybody doing that today? <laughs> Don't put your hand up. Don't do it. <laughs> and, 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 and that's what it was. And, and then, as I came to know Christ, I realized, hey, this is of the devil. Okay? I'm not depending upon the stars to determine my destiny. I'm depending upon the God who created the stars to reveal my destiny. Amen? And so as we read scripture, we realize what is right and what is wrong. We get our understanding. Okay? So let's keep that in mind. Uh, where were we? Okay. To teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Okay. Then it says, so that the man of God... So, so I want to encourage us to be a people who are immersed in the scripture. And I'm telling you, it is a battle. I struggle with it. Okay? It's a battle to find. You can have time for everything else. But when it comes to reading the word, you know, we get distracted with a million things. Yeah? And uh, I want to encourage you all to just spend time in his word. I'll give you a new tip that I've started using now to go through scripture much more. One is I, I listen to the audio version as well as the written version. And that helps me to go through much more when I want to read rapidly. Because when I just read, my mind can get wander off. But when I'm listening and reading, I'm able to do that. Okay. So all scripture is God-breathed. Okay. And for those who, who don't have a regular quiet time or a diet of scripture, I want to encourage you. Read the word. The word is the power to change us. So that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Okay. And, and, and really what God is saying is if you want to be equipped you need to be trained in handling the scripture. In 2 Timothy 2.15, Paul says, 2 Timothy 2.15, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. A workman who does not need to be ashamed, but who correctly handles the word of truth. 
So God has given us an instruction. He's saying, hey, you know, don't just handle this lightly, but do your best. And he says, to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed, who correctly handles them. So we need to read the word, we need to hear the word, read the word, study the word, uh, you know, memorize the word, and meditate upon the word. So all that needs to happen. Let's move on. Now, you know, the, the word of God was so important to Paul that at the end of his life, which is when he wrote this letter, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 13, he tells uh, Timothy, when you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas and my scrolls, especially the parchments. Okay? We don't know what the scrolls and the parchments are, but probably they had something to do with the word of God. Okay, because he wouldn't want to read the newspaper at that time. He's saying, get me the parchments. Okay. Let's look at uh, two, 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 three more. Number six. In chapter four, verse one, Paul gives a solemn, a serious charge to Timothy. Okay, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. And he says, In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge, preach the word. Now you've got to think about this for a little bit. Paul is telling Timothy, he's saying, In the presence of God, God is my witness, in the presence of Christ Jesus, I want you to do this one thing. What is it that he wants us to do? Preach the word. He says, preach the word. Now, why did he say in the presence of Christ Jesus who will judge the living and the dead? He could have said so many things about Jesus. He could have said, in the presence of Jesus who did great miracles. In the presence of Jesus who rose from the dead. In the presence of Jesus who is coming again. But he says, in the presence of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. Okay, because what he's saying here is, when Jesus returns, he's going to come back as a judge. He first came as a savior, but now he's going to come as a judge. Where people on earth will be judged based on their relationship with him. And so our preaching the word is of utmost importance because it determines the eternal destiny of somebody. Will they spend it in hell or in heaven? So we are not dealing with trivial matters here. These are most important matters. All right. Now, this word for preaching, there are about 30 words for preaching that are used in the New Testament. And, and it's, a, it's, a, it's a word called, it's not referring to teaching and it's not referring to sharing, you know, it's not or philosophizing about something. That word keruso refers to a herald. Okay, the word herald. A herald, now in today's age, we don't have herald. But in those days, think about it, you know, 2,000 years ago. There was no internet, no WhatsApp, no newspaper, no magazines, nothing, nothing, nothing. How did they, how did the king, how did the king, when a law was passed, how was that law communicated to everybody? Okay, yeah, messenger. There was no broadcast group. <laughs> okay. 
So messengers, remember in the book of Esther, messengers were sent throughout the kingdom with the law. It took a long time. And the messenger would go to the town square and say, everybody, hear ye, hear ye. This is what the king says. This is a new law. Alright? We are called to be those heralds or messengers. To, you know, it's not necessarily to preach, but to herald and to proclaim and to say, hey everybody, listen. This is what the king of the universe says. Okay? And, and what are we communicating? Okay, we, we're, telling them what, we're telling them what God has done for them. We're not telling them how to get saved primarily, but we're telling them what Jesus has done to save them. And we're telling them that, listen, you know, uh, it's like, I'll tell you what it's like. It's like, you know, many years ago in India, there was a lot of black money. And the government came out with an amnesty offer. Amnesty offer was this. If you declare your black money and you pay a tax of 30% or whatever, all that money will become white money. Okay, that's the government made a law and says, we will pardon your sin and that's it. But if you don't, by this date, if we catch you, you will be prosecuted and punished and fined. We have an offer of amnesty from the king of the universe. Where God is telling people, while you have breath in your body, you've got to tell people that, listen, you're a sinner. One day you will be judged for your sins, but Jesus has died on the cross for your sins. If you trust in him today, your sins will be forgiven and you'll be a citizen of his kingdom. But if you don't, one day he's returning and you will be judged in hell forever. That's the, that's the amnesty we are declaring to people. Okay. And, and so that's what it is. So, you know, when, when, when Paul says, preach the word, you know, when we talk about evangelism, we think about having a special meeting, inviting our friends to come, and a special speaker will proclaim the gospel. In the early church, 98% of the evangelism was done person to person. It was too dangerous to invite people to come to their church meeting. Something like UP today. Yeah, it's too dangerous to invite people to come. Okay? And that's what it is. So, 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 this, is, so this is where the focus of our church needs to be. So one is prayer and fasting, which we're going to do. And the second is we are heralding the truth. We are sharing uh, the amnesty offer that God has offered to people who don't know the gospel. Because one day they will be judged. Okay? Now we're doing it sensitively. We're doing it with people we know. Okay? And we are proclaiming the word. Because God can touch their hearts. And, uh, you know, I'll give you a couple of examples. One example of how we've seen people come to faith, not now, but many years ago. You know? Because uh, what has happened today is we can get so... Uh, it was wonderful to hear Esther's testimony this morning of how when they were unwell, the church gathered around her and, you know, uh, Joe sent her a meal and... Hazel the same, and people visited and helped and all that. And that's so precious to have that in the church, the body. Great. But the downside of that is that we 
love one another, we love being together, that we can just enjoy one another and forget about the world. Isn't that true? Yeah. We love. You know, I mean, I'd rather spend time with Sunit and Sam rather than with somebody else who's cursing and doing all kinds of stuff. Right? Yeah. It's a safe environment, a clean, wholesome environment. But really, if you want to see the church advance, the kingdom, Jesus' kingdom advance and obey this command, we have to be out there. You know? uh, I'll give you an example. Many, uh, when we first came to Pune 21 years ago, you know, there was a few people. And uh, we, 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 evangelism was something we lived and we breathed and we slept. You know, anybody that moved, we would speak to them. <laughs> That's how it was. Ask me here. <laughs> okay. Uh, so one day, we, we, we had finished a Bible study and uh, we went to Baker's, no, not Baker's Point, uh, hot, hot bakery there. Can you imagine? So we went to a little cake shop, that's what they were selling there, and at that place, there was, there was a couple there, and uh, they were looking at the cakes on display, and they were talking to the guy about some cake which was either mousse or souffle, okay? I still don't know the difference between a mousse and a souffle, <laughs> okay? But God can use that to save people, okay? So remember, 21 years ago, Talk to anybody that moves. So these two were talking, and I, total strangers, and I just jumped into the conversation with the owner. I said, hey, well, what is the difference between souffle and mousse? And so the owner explained what is the difference and all that. And then at the end of the explanation, I introduced myself to this couple. Hi, I'm Colin. What's your name? Ta-da-da. Now, this was a divine appointment because this couple, you know, this, the guy lived in the same area in Bombay we lived in, Bandra, okay? And uh, not only that, he attended the same college Nawaz taught in and probably had taught him also. We don't know. This was a few years ago. But we just introduced ourselves and they said we are new to Pune and uh, so we got together and to cut a long story short, we had coffee, we introduced them to the other friends outside. Friendships were built. Both of them started attending the church. Uh, she was in, they were from a Catholic background and they both came to faith and she had a little bit of faith and may have been born again, I don't know but, but they finally came to the church both of them got baptized here hallelujah over mousse and souffle and I still don't know the difference <laughs> alright, so, so I want to tell you that it's the power of the word that can transform people Okay, you and I need to go out there love people, and somehow get an opportunity to share the gospel with them. And, and the things that we've got to talk to them about are this. Uh, in uh, How do we do it? You see, it says there in, in verse, yeah, preach the word, verse 2, chapter 4. Be prepared in season and out of season. What does that mean? That means you're Prepared, first of all, to preach the word. You're ready. You know the gospel. You know something to share. And that's where the study comes in. Okay, if they ask you about Adam and Eve, and where did sin come from? Why is there evil in the world if God is so good? And so forth. We must be able to give them an answer. Okay, when people ask you for the reason for the hope that you have, but with gentleness and respect. Okay, then it's in season and out of season. There'll be times when people will not be open to the gospel. 
There'll be times when people, but, but we must be prepared at all times to be willing to share. It says, correct, rebuke, and encourage. And different strokes for different folks. Okay, for the time will come, and, and what are we talking about? We're talking, we are addressing false doctrine, godless myths, and old wives' tales. Three different things. Okay, so talk to people about, hey, where, how did this world come into being? Ask them those questions. Where, where, creation, where did the world come? Listen to them. And then you share your beliefs. Why is there evil in the world? Let's listen to what they have to say. And then you tell them your beliefs. Then you tell them, how can we escape from the evil in the How can we escape from the sin that we have committed in the world? You know? And those just those three questions will open the door for the gospel. All right. The last one. Why should we do all of this? Okay. Why should we do all of this? Because it is hard work. And, and the, we should do all of this is because in chapter, in, in chapter 4, verse 8, Paul, or let's look at verse 6. Paul says, For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time has come for my departure. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Why should we, instead of being at home with our family and friends, why should we go out and befriend the world, the lost, to tell them about Jesus because of this? Because like Paul, he says, Paul said, I have fought, I've, I've fought the fight. I have run the race. Okay? He did what he had to do. And, and now he's under the sentence of death. Nero has said he's got to die. But he was not looking at the world and Nero and their judgments. He was looking at Jesus, the judge who is above all. You know? And because he could see Jesus, he could endure all the hardships he endured. Stoning, shipwreck, beating, imprisonment, everything. How did he endure it? Because he looked, he could see Jesus. And what happened? You know, he said, you know, he was looking ahead to his reward. There is a crown of righteousness. There are five, six, seven crowns mentioned in the Bible. There are rewards beyond our ima wildest imagination in store for us. Okay, we've got to look at that. You know, Moses, you know what Moses, in Hebrews it tells us, Moses turned his back on the pleasures of, and the treasures of Egypt because he saw the God who is invisible. What a thing. He saw the God who is invisible. You know, as we come into the Word, as we spend time with God's Spirit in worship, we will see the God who is invisible. Stephen, when he was being stoned, remember what happened to him? In, in Acts chapter 7, verse 56, Stephen says, Look, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Okay? Do you have a vision of God and say, hey, you know, our life on earth is short. Recently, I was listening to some YouTube videos about some famous personalities, and they've mentioned, oh, this guy has died. This guy has died. And we realize that no matter how famous you are, how rich you are, what, how, how many million followers you have or likes, one day, we're all going to die. And only what we do for Christ is going to be counted. Okay? And Paul was confident. He says, I fought the fight. I've run the race. 
And now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness. Yeah? And uh, so everything we suffer on this world you know, is worth it for what Jesus is going to give us. In Corinthians, Paul says, for our light and momentary afflictions are nothing cons you know, uh, compared to the glory which is being revealed. Can you imagine being hit with sticks? He's saying, our light and momentary affliction. Can you imagine being stoned? He's saying, that's a light and momentary affliction. I don't know what is a strong <laughs> affliction, but those are light afflictions for Paul. You know? So this morning, as we bring this time to an end, we say, listen, yeah, things are a mess in the world. Yeah, there's evil growing and uh, all kinds of evil are happening. Bad things are happening. It is tough. But this is when the church of God needs to rise up. What are we called to do? Get hold of God. Yeah? Make sure we become spiritual parents. Wherever you are in your journey right now, okay? We are investing in others. And most importantly, we are proclaiming the gospel. That's why last week's uh, what is that? Friendship, not Friendship Sunday. What is it called? Uh, we, we, outreach Sunday was very important. Okay? Because God has not called us to attend church meetings. God has called us to save the lost. Okay? Well done, Alistair, for meeting out to your friend and any others who've done it. I want to encourage you know, Meher as well. We want to be out there in the community because one day they will leave this earth and we will leave this earth. But as we are faithful in sharing the gospel, there's a crown of righteousness waiting for us. Let's stand up and pray together. Come. Oh, just as, you know, I've shared many things from God's word this morning. Think about one thing that you're going to change in your thinking or in your behavior. Just one thing. Say, Lord, what is one thing I'm going to change? You know? And uh, because we need the help of the Holy Spirit to put this into practice. So just think of one thing. And uh, Father, I thank, thank you for each one here, Lord. Thank you that you've called us to a great life living for you. Lord, thank you that for those who are faithful in serving you, there is a crown of righteousness and so many other rewards awaiting us. Lord, I pray for us this morning. I pray that you will enable us to move ahead in our Christian life, Lord. That we would bear much fruit. That we would bear lasting fruit. Lord, would you anoint us, Lord, to be great evangelists, Lord would share the gospel with power. Oh, Father, would you do that, Lord? Lord, and even as we do that, may we see people saved and your kingdom advance. Thank you for this time together, Lord. May your blessing and your favor be upon us as we leave this place. In, may your blessing be upon all that we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. And uh, we look forward to hearing stories of how God is going to use you in advancing His kingdom. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Amen.